0: So, Lord, we thank you that we can gather around your word, that it is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And we just ask that, God, you would just impart something of your heart, something of your spirit to us this morning. Lord, we don't need just another sermon, but we need to meet with you. We need to hear your voice uh, to us saying, this is the way, walk in it. So have your way with us this morning, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to go to John chapter 21, and starting at verse 1, and it says this. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish. Man, that's one of my favorite verses. Oh, I've got that written on my, on my, yeah, and I just quote it to my wife, and um, she says, okay, well, I'm coming with you. <laughs> so um, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus, and he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered, and he said, "'Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some.' When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, "'It is the Lord.' As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, "'It is the Lord,' he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards.' And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. The background to these verses that we read this morning is really an atmosphere of fear and crisis and bewilderment the disciples had given up everything to follow Jesus they followed him in the hope that he would set up the kingdom of God on earth and it wasn't just the thought of heaven that caused them to uh, be committed to his work but they wanted to see a change on earth they were under the oppression of the Roman rulers Um, these disciples were with Jesus when he healed the leper, when he healed the paralytic, lowered through the roof, they were there. When he calmed the storm, they were in the boat with him. When he delivered the demoniac, he healed the woman with the issue of blood, raised Jairus's daughter from the dead. The centurion's servant raised Lazarus from the dead. When he healed the blind man, the epileptic boy, when he fed the 5,000, when he fed the 4,000, when he walked on water, healed the deaf and dumb. Uh, Peter, James, and John were there on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. Everything that Jesus did, uh, his words confirmed and built their hope of a better future. But when Jesus went to the cross, it was like all their dreams, all their hopes were killed. It shook their world to the very core. I suppose the question that I have for us this morning is, what do you do when your world is crushed? What do you do when things don't turn out the way you thought they would turn out? What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you've given up everything to follow Jesus and your world is in disarray? When King David got into that situation at Ziglag, when his city was burnt and his wives were taken captive, he prayed and cried out to the Lord and God answered him. When King Jehoshaphat was being attacked by three armies, he called a national fast. He cried out to God and God delivered him. And those are fantastic responses. And those are the sort of responses that we we want to see developed in our lives we want to be able to pray we want to be able to cry out to god when we're facing difficult situations but when peter's world crashes around him, peter says i'm going fishing and the other disciples said we're going with you the reality is that these guys were under so much pressure that they didn't know what to do and a quiet night in the boat seemed like uh, a really good idea and if we're really honest, our response in crisis situations probably is more towards Peter and his response than it is towards King David or um, King Jehoshaphat. And when we have problems, we tend to go back to the familiar and those things that we think will give us comfort. Uh, Peter didn't get drunk. He didn't get high. Didn't cut himself off from everyone. Didn't go back to a damaging relationship. He didn't go on an eating binge, but he did go back fishing. He went back to what he used to do before he knew Jesus. I love Psalm 37, especially verse 23. And it says this, it says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. And even though he falls, He shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And this passage that we've read is one of those fall situations. These guys in the boat are the ones Jesus had planned to be his witnesses and to build his kingdom. I won't ask how many people here have had a fall in their life because every one of us, I think, have been in a situation where we've disappointed ourselves, we've disappointed the Lord. Going back wasn't fruitful. They fished all night and they caught nothing. The thing is, when... you've known the lord going back to old ways never satisfied peter caught nothing and then one command from jesus cast a net on the other side and everything changes and it's interesting for for peter this was a deja vu um this was the miracle that drew him to Jesus in the first place. If you go back into the Gospels to where um, Peter <coughs> is called by the Lord, again, <coughs> he's cleaning up his nets after a night of not catching a heck of a lot. And um, Jesus tells him to push out into the deep and to throw his net over uh, on the other side of the boat. And, of course, Peter says, well, look, Lord, we've fished all night. We're the experts here. We know what we're doing. And then the miracle. Uh, When disaster happens to us, when our personal world is shaken, when we go through a crisis, uh, we need to let the transforming power of the Lord Jesus Christ break through into our situation and really resurrect us. It's amazing how God reminds us how we got saved before he recommissions us. And I'm sure that is what Jesus is wanting to do in some of us this morning. I just, I just feel, as I was praying into this message the other day, that there would be people here this morning, and you've become dry. You've been resting on your laurels. Your prayer life has diminished. Your reading of the Word is nearly non-existent. And yet, the Holy Spirit is calling you afresh this morning, saying, hey, I want to resurrect you. I want to resurrect you. And He often does that by reminding us of what it was like at the time when we first came to know Him. I remember I remember what it was like to feel the presence of God for the very first time I remember when my arm got healed I remember being so full of the holy spirit that I'd witness to my folks I'd witness to the local presbyterian minister I'd witness to anybody that I could and tell them what had happened in my life. And it's those sense of what God has done and where we've come from that help us to open ourselves up to a fresh move of God in our lives. Peter jumps out of the boat. He swims to shore where he meets the resurrected Jesus. Jesus' love, acceptance, and forgiveness of the broken Peter completely changes his life. And Peter comes into a new level of faith and hope that he never had before. And interestingly enough, this passage that we read this morning is the last time we, have, we ever read of Peter going back fishing. Uh, when next we read of Peter, like King David and King Jehoshaphat, he's praying. He's in an all-night prayer meeting, and the Holy Spirit falls on them, and that morning thousands of people get saved. What an absolute transformation from backslidden, despondent Peter, from... Uh, From being the one that denied Jesus Christ three times, he becomes a great apostle. And interestingly, the title of apostle was used by the Romans. Uh, When they conquered a city, they would send in an apostle uh, who was to bring into that city the culture and the values of Rome so that that city would become a little Rome. Uh, And God wants us as believers, to be apostles or carriers of His grace and kingdom culture and kingdom values into every area of our lives. But especially, He wants to be part of transforming our occupations, our relationships with Him, and our relationships with others. So, first of all, I see that Jesus wants to release His resurrection power into your occupation and multiply its effectiveness so that you can extend his kingdom. He wants to help you display his kingdom values and his kingdom culture to a world that desperately needs their transformation. He wants to make you the most valuable employee in your workplace. If you are a business owner, he wants to multiply that business so that it can be a great impact in the regions that you are working in. If you want to read a great life testimony about trusting God with your life and uh, and trusting God with your business, uh, read an older book called Man for Our Time. It's about the life of Auckland businessman Robert Laidlaw. And uh, in 1909, at the age of 24, Laidlaw launched a mail order business. He based his business on the principles of God's word, and God blessed him. And he gave 50% of his income to the work of the kingdom. His business grew into the largest store in the country, Farmers Trading Company. He is seen as being one of the most innovative, successful New Zealand businessmen of the 20th century. His success mirrored, though, his faith. In an attempt to explain to his 200 staff what his faith in Jesus meant, he wrote a little booklet called The Reason Why. And that booklet has become one of the most printed tracks of all time. 30 languages, over 40 million copies printed. Robert Laidlaw. Look him up on Wikipedia and just see what he did because he was the man who said, God, here's my business, now you work it. And God did. God does differently with each of us because all of us and our steps are different and God leads us individually. But God wants to bless and transform your work and your workplace. Uh, I, too, received an amazing blessing in the, in the workplace. And so I want to pray for, for people who want prayer after the service, and I'm going to pray for an anointing to bless your business, bless your work situation, and see it multiplied. A disciple fished all night, but when Jesus turned up and they listened to his directions, they pulled in a supernatural catch. Uh, you may be a successful business person. A successful teacher, a successful nurse, a successful homemaker, a successful real estate agent, a successful sa- sales manager or a manager. But imagine what we could do. Imagine what would happen if you would give yourself and your occupation to God and ask Him to breathe on it and use it for the extension of His kingdom. You will never go back to the ordinary once you have experienced god's supernatural transformation in your life and in your business his blessing is what we really live for and he wants to transform your occupation with his power and his kingdom values and his kingdom culture but also he wants to refresh our relationship with him jesus said to the disciples come and have breakfast He didn't say, get cleaned up. He just said, come. God is always inviting us to fellowship with him. With our own minds, we think, hey, we have to get cleaned up before we can come to church. We have to get cleaned up before we can come into God's presence. We have to get cleaned up and try and sort things out. But the reality is we get things backwards because God says, just come as you are and then He helps us do the cleaning up. All through the word, he says, come. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All through the word, it's come as you are. We all need those fresh encounters with God on a regular basis. They don't have to come at a time of crisis. But we need that constant refreshing. And it's not just about him doing stuff for us. It's about the power of intimacy to impact our internal and eternal world. I think one of the most under-recognized evangelists that we've seen over the last century would be the Queen. She was an absolute amazing woman. People didn't know the closeness of her relationship with Billy Graham. And uh, we always saw her as the queen, uh, but she was the head of the Church of England. And it's interesting, I'm going to read you just part of her last address that she made to the um, bishops, the General Synod, uh, in November 2021, while she was quite poor in health, she wrote out her address and she gave it to her son uh, Edward to read. And she said to the bishops of the Church of England, Christ's teaching and the gospel remain unchanged. Don't meddle with it. Don't mess with it. It's perfect as it is, unchanging. And there's nowhere else to go to meet the God of love who saves, restores, and heals and delivers and forgives and opens up heaven. And then she said, among the many duties of the church, one stands out as supreme to bring the people of this country to the knowledge and love of God. Wow, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That was her final word to the Church of England. You know, Jesus is always wanting to make a way for us to come back to him. He's always looking to encourage us. He's always looking to teach us, to have us grow in him, to change us. And he's always looking to give us his love and his acceptance and his forgiveness. When we get a revelation of his love to us, everything changes. And I would suggest that this morning, God is waiting for you just to respond to him And he wants you to experience his love for a fresh time. Jesus' resurrection power will absolutely transform our occupations. It will transform our devotions. And because of our love for God, it will result in our relationships with others being transformed as well. After breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, if you love me, feed my lambs take care and feed my sheep our love for Jesus will always be reflected in our love for one another our love for the church and our love for the lost because that is what Jesus love does that's what Jesus died for when you let Jesus come into your relationships He will breathe resurrection life into them and absolutely transform them. Uh, We need to love and accept and forgive others in the same way that Jesus has loved and accepted and forgiven us. He said to his disciples, he says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. When the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is working in transforming our lives, then others will want to experience the same God that we have and the same life that he gives. Just as the musicians come, I want to close with a story about a really influential person. After World War II, a young Catholic man from the Philippines uh, went to the United States to study law. Uh, During his first night on campus, a student came to him and said, I've come to welcome you to the campus and to say that if there's anything I can do to help make your stay here more pleasant, I hope you'll call on me. Then he asked the Filipino student where he went to church and he told him he was a Catholic and the visitor said well I can tell you where the Catholic church is but it's not easy to find it's quite a distance Uh, let me make you a map so he made a map and outlined the way to the church and he left when the Filipino student woke on Sunday morning it was raining and so he thought that he would miss church that day Then there was a knock on the door, and when he opened the door, there stood the student. His raincoat was dripping wet, but he had with him two umbrellas. And he said, I thought you might find it hard to find the Catholic Church in the rain. So I'll walk along with you and show you the way. And as the two walked along in the rain, the Filipino asked the American student where he went to church. And he said, oh, he said, my church is just around the corner. So the Filipino... A uh, student said, suppose we go to your church today and we'll go to my church next Sunday. So they went to the American student's church and they never did get to the Catholic church. After four years, the Filipino man left law school and trained as a minister. He went back to the Philippines and in 1948, Valencius became the bishop of the Methodist Church in the Philippines. Now, that's a fascinating story about an amazingly influential man, not the bishop. He was influential. But the man with the two umbrellas who let the love of Jesus shine through his life, he was the influential one. And it doesn't take much to show the love of God to friends, to neighbours, to workmates, it might be just pulling a few weeds. It might be just taking around some bacon. It might be just being there when your neighbours are having a difficult time. Could could you dare to ask Jesus to so transform your love for him and others Could you dare to be the person with two umbrellas who other people would be willing to walk with to the foot of the cross? Will you let Christ's power and presence transform your occupation, your devotion, your relationships?